0: if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5? Bethany, this mic is a little hot. Is it hot for you guys? Is it loud? Okay, awesome. All right, Matthew chapter 5, we are looking at verses 10, 11, and 12. If you're using one of our red Bibles, Matthew chapter 5 is on page 472. 472. We're going to finish looking at the Beatitudes this morning, which we've been in for the last two weeks. Uh, And what we're going to talk about today builds on what has come before it. And so I don't have enough time to recap what we've done, but if you weren't able to be here or listen to the last two Sundays, I highly encourage you to go back, listen to our recordings on Our podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, and and come up to speed uh, because so much of what Jesus has to teach us here is built upon the foundation that we, as his followers, have been born into the kingdom of God and that we embody the values of the kingdom of God, which are primarily um, having a poverty of spirit, mourning our sin in meekness, turning to the Lord and hungering and thirsting for his righteousness. And then that plays itself out as we go out into the world and that we are, uh, that, that we are merciful towards our neighbors, that we have a purity of heart inside of ourselves, and that we pursue peace with one another. Um, all of that builds on this foundation to what Jesus is going to say to us today as he concludes this Beatitudes. And I want to remind you, as we've been looking at the Beatitudes, at these lists of blessings for those who are in the kingdom of God, I want to remind you that the blessings that Jesus is talking about are uh, distinct from the way that the world understands blessing. Uh, What Jesus is inviting us to see is that there is a joy available to us that transcends life's circumstances. That there is a happiness that we can find in Christ that is different than the happiness that the world uh, gives us. This is a blessing, a joy, a happiness that is there regardless of what is happening in your life. Whatever pain or chaos or discomfort, Jesus says there is a joy that you can have despite that. Uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul says the same thing. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in every circumstance, in the good and the bad, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Jesus is saying here that there is a blessing available to us as his followers Uh, that is distinctly different than the way that the world operates. And I think that this last beatitude is the most poignant on that. Because here Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted. That there is blessing that we can find even in the midst of persecution. So we're going to look at these three verses, Matthew 5 10, 11, and 12. And as we look at them, if you want to take notes, this is where I'm going. These are my three points. We're going to see the promise of persecution. We're going to see the source of persecution. And finally, what is the blessing of persecution? We're going to see the promise of it, the source of it, and what the blessing is in persecution. Let's read and pray and and get into it. Matthew 5, starting at verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you even for the parts of your word that are confusing, that don't make sense immediately, and even those parts that go against the grain of the world. I pray now, as we look at your word, Spirit, would you conform us to it so that even though we are persecuted, that we might be blessed through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. First, let's look at the promise of persecution. This week, downstairs right now uh, our children are going through an activity sheet and uh, I printed those out earlier this week and I looked at them and the activity sheet has two pictures that are very similar and their task is to look at the two pictures and find the 10 things that are different from one picture to the other and as I was printing it out I was looking at it and I thought I'm gonna prove myself smarter than a six-year-old, I'm gonna figure it out. And uh, it took a while. I got nine of them, and then the 10th one was really tricky. It was almost uh, in- imperceptible, the difference between them. And all along, as I was looking at the two, the two pictures, I was singing the song in my head, uh, one of these things is not like the others, one of these things just doesn't belong. And as we look at this last beatitude, in the context of the whole list that Jesus has given us, we might be thinking the same thing. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, wonderful things, wonderful virtues that we are to embody and pursue and cultivate in our lives. And then we get to the end, blessed are those who are persecuted. It doesn't seem to belong. It's not like the others. And yet... That's what Jesus says. Blessed are the persecuted. That is what Jesus is teaching us here. In a list of all of the various virtues and values that are to be embodied by followers of Jesus, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Jesus is saying that in the same way that every Christian is to be poor in spirit, in the same way that Jesus is saying every Christian is to be meek, every Christian is to be pure in heart, he says every Christian ought to expect persecution. Every Christian ought to or will experience persecution. Just as Christians are to mourn their sin and to pursue peace, they are to be persecuted. It is a promise. It is inevitable. It will happen. Jesus isn't the only one in the New Testament that teaches this. Consider the Apostle Paul, writing to his disciple Timothy, a church planter. Paul writes to him and says this, Everyone that lives a godly life in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Or remember what Peter taught us last summer. We went through his letter. When Peter writes to the various churches of Asia Minor, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Do not be surprised, Peter says. It's inevitable. Or James. James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Persecution throughout the biblical witness is promised. Christians should not be surprised when we suffer persecution. We should expect it. If we follow Jesus, we will be persecuted. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is a German. Lutheran pastor and teacher during Nazi Germany and World War II. He remained steadfast to the gospel and to biblical teaching in the face of an ever increasing wicked government. And he He even set up and ran an underground seminary so that he could teach other pastors how to stand firm in the truth of the gospel. He was found out. He was arrested. He was threatened with torture. His family members were threatened. He was sent into a concentration camp He eventually died by execution, literally days before the concentration camp that he was in was liberated by the Allied forces. This is a man who knew suffering and persecution for his faith. And he writes in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, suffering is the badge of true discipleship. The disciple is not above his master. Following Christ means passio passiva, suffering because we have to suffer. Discipleship means allegiance to the suffering Christ, and it is therefore not at all surprising that Christians should be called upon to suffer. In fact, it is a joy and a token of, Of his grace. Every Christian should expect persecution. It is inevitable. It is promised. If you follow Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Every author of the New Testament teaches us that, and church history testifies to it. What about you? What about your life? Why is it, in the West, and especially in the American church, why do we not see more Christian persecution? Sure, in our history as a country, Christianity and the principles of Christianity have enjoyed, to one degree or another, a lot of acceptance and welcoming on the part of our government, and our society as a whole, sure, I'll I'll grant you that. But certainly things are changing. There have always been men and women, though, not only in government, but in our communities, who have rejected Christianity. Why then do we not see more persecution in the church and in our lives? One author put it simply like this. There are two options in front of us to answer this question. Either the Bible is wrong, so either Jesus was wrong, and Paul was wrong, and Peter and James were wrong, and that it's not promised to us, or we as Christians in the West, in the American church, are not living the kind of faithful lives described here in these Beatitudes to the degree that Jesus is calling us to. I think that this is why Jesus concludes this list here. Because after naming all of these values which we are to embody as citizens of his kingdom, he concludes with this because Jesus wants us to look inward and ask ourselves, am I living the kind of life that Jesus is calling me to live? If I do, I will face persecution. If I'm not facing persecution, there's questions that need to be asked. Let's move on, then, and ask, where does the persecution come from? Why, then, do followers of Jesus get persecuted? Let's look at the source. This verse, this collection of verses, is is often misunderstood or misapplied to our lives in a way that I don't think Jesus intended it to mean. Jesus isn't saying, blessed are those who have an uncomfortable life because you're a follower of Jesus. He's not saying, blessed are those who face any kind of suffering at all. He's not saying, blessed are those who face unexpected problems and difficulties rising up in your life. He says, blessed are the persecuted the persecuted. Blessed are those who are the recipients of hurtful and often harmful actions on the account of our faith. Think for a moment of the Apostle Paul. Before he was a follower of Jesus, he went by the name Saul, and he was a leader of a movement in the early church that sought after hunted down, and captured Christians. He threatened them, arrested them, imprisoned them, and even executed them. And Paul says, I persecuted the church. Persecution means being hunted down. But Jesus doesn't stop at persecution. No, he he also says... Blessed are you when others revile you, when others utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. That is to say, there will be times when Christians are misrepresented. There will be times when we are mocked and made fun of, when we are judged as archaic and backwards. When we are accused of doing evil things, things that we have never done, Jesus is saying that we will become an easy target for others to lodge complaints and accusations against. It didn't take long for that to come true. In 64 AD in Rome the capital of the empire. Emperor Nero, he wanted to rebuild part of the city, and and the Senate was restricting him. He couldn't get his own way. And so Emperor Nero set a fire into the city, which burned down buildings and houses and no doubtly killed many people. And he accused that fire on the Christians. And then he rounded them up and threw them in the Colosseum to be executed. We will have evil things uttered our way that are false. We will become easy targets to be blamed for things that we did not do. But again, we need to ask, for what reason are we being persecuted? Because we often get this wrong. like Jesus is clear. He does not say, blessed are the persecuted for they are offensive to others and people don't like it. He doesn't say, blessed are the persecuted for their difficult people to work with and coworkers don't like them. He doesn't say, blessed are the perse- persecuted for their judgmental towards non-Christians and our neighbors don't like us. He doesn't say, blessed are the persecuted for their political causes. No. Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake. And in the parallel passage, he says, blessed are the persecuted on account of me. That is, for Jesus' sake. Blessed are you when you are persecuted because you follow Jesus. Because you look like Jesus. Because you live like Jesus. Blessed are the persecuted who look like Jesus. That is the only kind of persecution that is blessed. For example... One of the goals of 2023 for us, here's a foreshadowing of February 5th, one of the goals that we want to have as a church is to make new disciples of Jesus. That means bringing non-Christians to faith, which is going to require us to evangelize, to share the gospel with non-Christians. And so the way that we evangelize, the way that we share Jesus with non-Christians matters. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the persecuted when you are offensive sharing the gospel. He doesn't say, blessed are the persecuted when you get angry at non-Christians when you're trying to share the gospel. How we share the gospel matters. We have to be patient, gentle, loving. The Apostle Paul, in his teaching, and his ministry, says that as so far as it is able for us to do, we are to live peaceably with all men, not quarrelsome. Peter, in his letter, says that we are to be good towards non-Christians, especially as we endure their attacks that we're not to retaliate with arguments and that when we engage them of questions of faith he says when we have an opportunity to share with them the hope that we have in Christ we are to do it with gentleness and respect friends when we share the gospel with non-christians the only thing that should be possible for them to be disturbed by, the only offensive thing at that moment is the message of the gospel itself. Not our attitude, not our demeanor, not our argumentation. We are to be gentle and respectful. Friends, the cross of Jesus is the aroma of life for those who are being saved, and the aroma of death for those who are lost. We do not need to add any offense to the cross. We are to follow Jesus and be like Jesus and treat others like he treated them. He was gentle. It it was said of him that a bruised reed he did not break, a smoldering wick he did not quench out. We are to be Likewise. All right, let's go back. Jesus is saying here in the Beatitudes, if you want to live the blessed life, this is how you're called to live. And then he says, if you live like that, you will be persecuted. You will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. When you practice this righteousness, when you live out this righteousness, when you live like Jesus, like the Beatitudes, then you will be persecuted. Why? Because Jesus was persecuted. And if you live like him, you will be persecuted like him. Why was Jesus persecuted? He wasn't persecuted because he was a good teacher. He wasn't persecuted because he was too nice and loving, too inclusive, too gentle. No, he was persecuted because he lived his life different. He was righteous in a world of unrighteousness. And his righteous life Exposed it. Look, before Jesus comes into our lives, we are quick to cover up and hide our sin. We think we can get away with it. We think that no one else knows about it, that it's, it's in the past, it's in my head, it's in my dark closet. But when Jesus comes shines his light his light of righteousness and it exposes wickedness Christ's righteousness reveals wickedness it convinces us that he is different and it draws us to him because his light also comforts us and embraces us He even does this with the so-called righteous Pharisees. His genuine righteousness, it exposed them for being showy and frauds. When we live like Jesus, we will be persecuted, in part because it exposes the wickedness and the unrighteousness around us. So where do you see Christ's righteousness in your own life? in your own home, with your family, with your spouse and your children? Where are you looking like Christ? Where do you see Christ-likeness in the way that you conduct yourself at work? Or with your buddies on the weekend, out on the green, or hanging out at the bar? Where do you see Christ in your life? Is your life different because of Christ? That's the question. I think that much of Christianity today, especially in the American church, again, has become so shallow that it is hardly seen at all. You, you might object and say, well, we're not that different because the West has grown tolerant of us. And I will respond, I think it's the other way around. I think that we have grown too tolerant of the world and its value. Remember, the Beatitudes are calling us to live distinctly different lives, to adopt kingdom values, to live as citizens of the kingdom. Because we've been born into the kingdom, we adopt these values. We look different. We think different. We act different than the world. And that exposes people. And so we're going to be persecuted. Persecution is the the result of a clash between these two values. If you're living in the kingdom, if you're growing in Christlikeness, if you're following him, if you adopt his kingdom values, if you hunger and thirst for his righteousness, you will be persecuted for the very righteousness that you hunger and thirst for. All right, now where is the blessing in all of this? Because I feel like it's been weighty. Jesus says, if you live like this, if you want the blessed life, if you live this way, you're going to be persecuted. But he assures us. He says, and that is okay, because if you are persecuted, you are blessed. How can we rejoice and be glad when we are persecuted? I think this passage gives us four answers to that first persecution proves genuine faith if we are persecuted for righteousness and if we are persecuted for jesus sake then our persecution proves that we have genuine faith that's what jesus says in verse 12 for so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. You are in good company with the men and women of old who followed the Lord. Your persecution proves your genuine faith. When the apostles in the early church were arrested and beaten and put on trial for their faith, they were finally released. And what do we read in Acts 5? They went out rejoicing for they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Persecution proves genuine faith. Second, the second reason why we can rejoice and be glad is that persecution guarantees our future inheritance. Verse 12 again says, Your reward in heaven is great. We can lose many things in this life on account of persecution on account of our faith in Jesus, our our reputation might get taken away, our career might get taken away, relationships might end, possibly even our life. But remember the words of Jesus who said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life would lose it, And whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Nothing we lose in this life on account of righteousness' sake will be forgotten. And in the age to come, we will be abundantly blessed beyond our imaginations. You are blessed in persecution because it is a guarantee of your future inheritance. Third. We can rejoice in persecution because persecution is evidence that the Spirit of God is working in our life. If we're persecuted because we are adopting kingdom values against the values of the world, that is evidence that the Spirit is in you conforming you to Christ. The more the Spirit works in your life, the more you look like Christ, the more we will be persecuted. Persecution is evidence that the Spirit is in you and working. Lastly, we can rejoice in persecution because persecution is a reminder that we are united to Jesus. John fifteen twenty, Jesus, teaching his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed, says this, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. Why? Because you are united to me. And where I go, you will go too. What happens to me will happen to you. But take heart, because on the other side of persecution, on the other side of the cross is resurrection and life everlasting. Friends, if we join him in his sufferings, we will join him in his exaltation. Persecution is a blessing because it reminds us that we are united to him, and what happens to him happens to us. Yes, we will be persecuted, and yes, we will be raised even from the dead, and we will join him in paradise. Eight years ago, ISIS executed 21 Christian men from Egypt on a beach in Libya. Their masked executors stood in all black behind the men who knelt down on the beach wearing orange jumpsuits. And after the Islamic State released a video of their murders, images of that massacre of Coptic Christians reverberated around the world. Perhaps you have it in your head right now. And while this particular act of violence caught the attention of millions around the world, Egyptian Christians have long experienced persecution. The Archbishop of the Coptic Orthodox Church said this in response to those attacks. The interesting thing is this. We live with persecution with a sense of resilience. We've never fallen into a state of victimhood or triumphalism we realize that it is the cross of Christ to suffer. It's not the end of the road because there is a resurrection that comes after the cross and after the empty tomb. And so it is that in hope we continue to live. It's in that hope that we continue to carry the cross knowing that one day, it will be removed from us. Friends, we will face persecution. If not, now it is coming. It is promised to us. We will be persecuted because we follow Jesus and look like him and talk like him and love like him. But friends, take heart. There is blessing in it. Because he lives, there is blessing in it. Because he lives, we can rejoice and be glad in the face of persecution. Because he lives, even though one day we may die for our faith, because he lives, we will live with him in glory. There is blessing. Let's pray.